0: Hi, this is Saroche, lover of all things Paul Areola. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Celebrate the North Texas SC playoff run by gearing up with a North Texas jersey, tee, or scarf. This weekend, September 16th through 18th, all North Texas SC merchandise is 30% off. So order your gear today. And remember, 3rd Degree listeners get 20% off other items at Soccer90.com with the promo code Third Degree. Some exclusions may apply. Discounts can't be combined.
1: Well, hello there, Ooh. FC Dallas Curious fans. Welcome to yet another episode, which happens to be numbered. Please. Uh, I
2: believe my notes indicate that it is episode
1: 177. Yes, 107-7 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter. And here, via the miracle of the internet, first, Dan, my condolences to the Queen's passing, and you, yeah. uh, Dan Crook. Spent-
3: It's been a rough week.
1: Yes, it is a rough week. Where do you fall as an English person on royalty and the queen? Um, I ask this question a lot, and I get very varied answers.
3: Well, I'm a beneficiary of and later an ambassador for uh, Prince, now King Charles's personal trust. So So you're rich? No, no. No, like a charity trust, not a financial trust. Well, all so right. uh, yeah, but um, you know, they're they're a big tourist attraction. They do their thing. They're cool,
1: nice people. <laughs> Have you ever? Did you ever see the Queen in person?
3: No, so, uh, I saw. I saw Charles at his sixtieth birthday. Uh, I was one of thousands of guests for that. Hmm. Weirdly, um, saw so Princess Anne. She came to my school when I was a kid. And there's like a big yacht thing in the Isle of Wight called Cow's Week. And I think I saw Charles and Diana there. Well, there you go. Well, uh, sorry about your queen. Congratulations
1: on the new king. And since my wife and I are corgi people, we applied to adopt some of her corgis, but we were turned down. And they were unfortunately sent to Prince Philip instead,
3: which sounds like punishment. Well, Prince Prince Philip has. also dead. Oh wait, no, uh, Prince, uh, what's his, the... Andrew, so give it like four weeks, an allegation will come up, you know, they'll probably get sent to you anyway. Well, those, (laughs) you know, those dogs are 12. I nearly said, you know, oh, oh, I was touched by Andrew, but I thought that was inappropriate. I thought we might also lose the Soccer 90 thing if I said touched by Andrew. Yeah, we don't want to do that. All right. Well, uh, you wow. hear
1: him giggling in the background and worrying about his podcast sponsor, yeah. your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of ThirdDegree.net, and wildly famous MLS journalist, Buzz Garrick.
2: Uh, I'm not sure where the Wildly Famous came from. I I did... uh, You're
1: appearing on other people's podcasts, Buzz. That makes you wildly famous. Uh, That
2: happens from time to time. I I enjoyed... uh, Maybe that's the wrong word. Uh, The Queen passing is a cultural moment, so I enjoyed watching people react in various ways. And I was uh, quite surprised by the amount of negativity towards her there was. uh, I had apparently missed all kinds of things, uh, in a worldwide cultural sense, there, there were qu- people quite upset with her, and I, obviously, as an American, most of the things in her life have gone under my radar for sure. So uh, it was an educational week for me yeah. in terms of in terms of the the monarchy and the queen. I didn't, obviously I didn't know very much about it. To be fair,
1: did you uh, see the signs they held up in the supporter section at the Celtic Champions League game yesterday? <laughs>
2: I've heard of various <laughs> relatively strong reactions from places that didn't surprise me, like Ireland or Scotland. But right. then, you know, all around the world, or even here in the United States, like people that were really hated her. And I thought, What you're an American, why do you even care? But then, you know, I, I understand it, and once I read a little more about it, I understand why they feel that way. Um, I don't feel that way. I don't have any connection to that. You know, cultural
3: reasons. You know, yeah. The uh, Dan, Could, I can I did, yeah, go ahead say please, that yes. but not. Dance around it. Yeah, I was on social media thinking, what oh, a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know who Michael
1: Faden was, but uh, then I looked up the reference and thought, okay, well, that's a rather cutting and deep and weird uh, uh, thing to say upon somebody's death, but um, that's very much in the tone of most supporter groups kind of running smack. So there you go. So,
2: yep. Well, certainly, there was some colonialism wrapped up in a lot of it, you know. And and, and living as long as she did and in power as long as she did, there were certainly people that didn't like her. And I was surprised to learn all that. So, well,
1: uh, we talked with Lars, the guy that uh, our friend on the kick around that we talked to that lives over there, and we were talking with him about how much of this was related to why they had canceled so many uh Premier League and and you know professional games was because. And Dan, I'd love your insight into this. Is that there was a considerable concern that you know fan bases that weren't pro royalty would not be very respectful during moments of silence, and they were worried about the blowback of that. And I
3: that just seems really crazy to me as an American. I mean, that was in the plan of any reigning monarch dying is that sport would stop. Uh, it's the same reason the Clarissa Shields fight didn't happen at the PGA championship had its delay i think cricket and rugby kind of carried on to try and take advantage of the uh of the people who still wanted to see sports but um you know i mean everything was supposed to come to a halt it was kind of well you know a 60 you know, year plan.
1: You sure and when if you watch like specifically the stuff that went down Wednesday today the day we're recording the stuff the parade or not parade the procession of the of the coffin and everything you can see the amount of time and effort has gone into planning a very intricate uh set of events. So well anyway Dan again uh if you cared about the queen or whatever my
3: condolences to you sir. We right, Thanks. I appreciate the flags at half mast. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about more fun
1: things, because uh, dying people is not fun, but winning is fun. And Mm. look, he here. (laughs) This is not the result. Another result I was anticipating, and it certainly didn't go down the way I wanted to. But I will say this is the game of Jesus. If there was ever a time to trust Jesus, it was this game here as Dallas beats LAFC. uh, And not the prettiest way, Buzz, but hey, a win is a win is a win.
2: Yeah, you got to play the games, uh, and I think even the players recognized this was a big one. You know, there were some things said in the quotes from people saying that this game from the FC Dallas perspective is a chance to um, make a statement. You know, I think, I think everybody involved knows that they're still, you know, where they are in the standings, and LAFC has a big numeric advantage uh, in the points um, for a reason, but they are also getting a little cold LA's one, one and four over the last six, maybe stumbling at the wrong time. And, and certainly the red card, which we're going to talk about in a minute, changed the game. But um, the, the big, gigantic, massive takeaway is that we've been talking about a transcendent player here for a long time. We've, we've always talked about Dallas's failure to get the, one of these guys. And of course it's so FC Dallas, that they never did go get one; they just grew one out of their academy instead. And uh, watching a player go from being a very good player, which he already was, to this sort of transcendent guy that can decide a game in a moment of his personal greatness and and uh, take control of a game and win a game outright and carry a team is just is phenomenal. This is the guy Dallas has always needed to try and do something in the playoffs. So maybe the Hunts are right. This is going to be a get-in. And try and do something when you have a guy like this
3: Dan, uh what were your reactions to the game? Um, really crappy for eighty five minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh no it was it was funny and I mean you know l a f c played a fantastic game quite honestly uh went down early on. Went to the low block, knew how to frustrate Dallas, gave Dallas plenty of the ball and plenty of time to think on it, which isn't necessarily FC Dallas's greatest strong point. Uh, really frustrated them. And, uh, you know, I'll, you know, you look at the XG, uh, LAFC had the better chances. Uh, and it, it really did take two moments of real absolute brilliance. Uh, when you talk about Areola spotting uh, the little turdy through the temper tantrum um, pulling his own center back out of position for Jesus and then Jesus uh, lining up as if he was going to cross it waiting I think he said after the game he was waiting to see uh, Krapu take a step to the side anticipating a cross and he was just going to blast for the post Uh, take away those you know it it really did take two moments of brilliance which is every club that goes deep has that, that those players that can can take advantage of those moments. That's something that Dallas has sorely missed for a long time, like Buzz said. There's so many different layers to this game to to get into,
1: but I I do want to I do want to get into specifically the thing that was driving me nuts, which was Dallas played this game with a man advantage for uh, what was it, 80 minutes? No, 75 minutes. And uh, man, for long stretches of the game, it just didn't look like that. And I know LA is good, and meaning top of the league, good. But Nico's team really, really, really struggled uh, outside of those two magical moments, Buzz. And, I'm, and I don't know how much to read into that.
2: Well, I, I think that um, struggle, the, the things you perceive as struggles come from the low block LAFC's playing. I mean, when Dallas has 67% possession, it's like they're not struggling. They're holding the ball for the bulk of the game. What they're struggling with is the is is the reason why teams play a low block. When you're trying to play down a man, or whether you're trying to play against a team that's better than you, which is, L, Dallas is not better than FC and than LAFC normally speaking. But when you're down a man, you got to play as if they are. You know that's very very difficult to do. That's no one is can easily break down a low block. Dallas has struggled with that for sure, and the subs were effective in finally doing that, but. Uh, I don't think you should take it as a sign that Dallas is poor or played poorly because they struggled to break that down. I mean, they controlled play from the moment of the red card on. They controlled the bulk of the action. Now, we've talked before about Dallas's, when they get into these kind of situations against these kinds of teams, they have been susceptible a little bit to rapid counters. And LA wasn't countering excessively, but their chances didn't come in like build up play. They came against the run of possession. So I don't I don't I don't know that I've subscribed to Dallas struggling. I only subscribe to Dallas struggling to break down a low block, which always happens.
1: Well, I yeah, okay, so I think we're saying the same thing. I just I would describe them having a hard time breaking down a low block when they have a man advantage is struggling to do that. So I uh, call it what you want. It yeah. was a frustrating game to watch, and and they sure. were just fortunate that Jesus and Paul had two. Well, Jesus in particular had two very magical moments. Yeah. Uh, to to break the game in their favor.
2: Well, the both of those goals uh, were constructed through. The methods that you use to break down a low block. The first one comes with the attempt down the left side to get Farfan to the end and to get balls into the box. And the second one comes down the right side. And the subs are the thing that changed the game. The, the, the ways you can break down a low block are you can put in a body up striker, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, what the Frank O'Hara sub was. That one, for the most part, did not really work. Although, the, again, the play down by Farfan down the line, when he gets all the way to the end line, looking to cross, that's not what Farfan usually does. So that's an adaptation to try and break down the low block. The other way you break down a low block is to dribble at it. So you bring in Siki and you bring in Nanu, two guys that want to dribble at players, and you're hoping that the dribbling can create gaps and pull players out of position and put, put, put the team under stress. That, on the right side, both of those two guys contributed directly to the play that led to that foul, Right on the outside of the box that Jesus scored on. So two moments of brilliance by Jesus, but two moments that came directly from the strategic play that Dallas adapted to try and break down the low block. And that's those are the two ways you do it. And and they didn't they didn't work directly from those two things, but they worked indirectly from those two things. And so it just took a while, and that's how it goes when you play a team like that.
1: Now, one of the things that has not been talked about a lot in the aftermath, because everybody's so excited about the win, was the fact that we were a bit all surprised to find out that Alan Velasco was not not only not starting, wasn't in the 18, and then they told us in the, in the moments before the game that he has suffered some sort of thigh injury and is out for at least a month. Uh, has, does anybody know any more about this situation, how bad it is? Or is anybody super concerned about it?
2: I first started hearing word of it um, earlier in the day. Um, and I actually heard worse than a month at the time originally. I was actually really glad to hear only a month. Um, you hope that the team spokespeople are putting out correct information and that it is only a month. Because if it's two months, he's going to miss everything. Right. So, um, you know, th- this will come down to this is going to be the first. In my mind, this will be the first big injury test. I can't think of another one for this coach where he's going to miss a guy for a chunk who's so important because we know O'Brien is not nearly as good as uh, uh, Velasco is today. Like at the beginning of the season, it was a lot closer than it is because Velasco was turning the ball over all the time. But now it's a lot bigger of a gap. So um, I I think it won't hurt them as badly as it could have if it really had been the original two-month rumor that was flying around earlier in the day. I was glad it was less. Do we know
1: how the injury took place, Dan or Buzz or what specifically it is?
2: Uh, thigh and in training on Friday was all I've heard. So I don't know anything beyond that.
1: We don't like not a contact no. think we don't know anything about that. No. Okay. That's all I know. No. Um, All right, well, uh, let's hope that heals up because uh, that would be very unfortunate for the kid who finally was starting to uh, consistently play well uh, to fall off the map right about the time they go to uh, the the playoffs, Uh, which now, uh, unless things go super sour, look more likely than ever before. All right, let's get into the most... uh, controversial moment of the game which is the 15th minute red card by ryan hollingshead which is ironic considering how long he played here and his story and all of that uh buzz what was your reaction to the red card
2: yeah um i i in real time uh i was i thought to myself uh that's not a foul not only is it not a red card it's not a foul in real time. And then they showed slow motion replays, you know, the typical replays. And I thought to myself, yeah, clearly not a foul. Doesn't, you know, definitely not a red card. Definitely not a foul by Ryan. And then they went over to the screen. Uh, and I thought, boy, that's really weird. And he watched it and I thought, ah, that's no big deal. He came back and said red card and and they showed freeze frames of it. And I still was like, that's not a foul. Um, so for me, it's the, the reason it's not as foul is because Ryan clearly tackles the ball and clears the ball. He does not tackle Paul Areola. Doesn't even hit Paul Areola. Doesn't matter how fast you run it. He does not tackle Paul Areola. Paul Areola kicks Ryan. Paul goes to shoot and he follows through and Ryan's tackling the ball away and he plainly kicks Ryan. In my book, if anything, that play is a foul on Paul for kicking Ryan. So I was I was watching. I try to think to myself. Okay, why in the world is that a red in their book? And I looked at it again. I went back and I slowed it down. And the thing I came up with that I think they probably was the reason is that Ryan, uh, Paul kicks Ryan about four frames before Ryan touches the ball. So the best I could do was. They're saying that's a trip where Paul is tripping over Ryan. But in my mind, and I am 100% of this belief, that is 100% not a foul at all. Definitely not a red, definitely not a yellow. And if anything, it was a foul on Paul. And I still think that even after they ruled that it was a red, I think they're completely wrong. I think it's a bad call.
1: I'm with you. I didn't think it was a foul in real time. And I certainly, when I saw... When I saw the replay, I went, well, it is a foul, but it's a foul on Paul because he kicked Ryan. Yeah. And then I was confused because when the referee called the foul and he clearly gave it as a free kick to Dallas, I'm thinking to myself, why? Okay, well, let's just, let's forget whether the ref is right or wrong. Why is he giving him a yellow card and not a red card? Because it's clearly last man. Like it's not even close to not being a Dodsco, a Dogsco situation. Yeah. And, And so that part was weird. Um, and so I'm assuming that the VAR intervention wasn't ever going to be... Because I don't think VAR can make a decision to change a yellow card unless it's related to a penalty kick, which this wasn't. So the only thing VAR can do in this instance is correct uh, a missed red card, which this clearly was. So that's why VAR got involved. Now, what I find interesting, and again, I I still don't... I. I the referee wasn't th- was pretty far away, but close enough to the call that I'm gonna I'm gonna pass some benefit of a doubt here because on the league's instant replay, uh, video session that they did yesterday, I think it was, they're claiming that it was a red card on Ryan because they zapruder this film down to the most unbelievable degree and they freeze frame it on a moment as paul's leg is coming back and they indicate and they claim and i think if you look at it the way they show it you can see it but man you gotta microscopically as a pruder, this mother to see this as ryan is lunging in he does make contact with paul's foot before paul's foot goes forward and they are saying that's the foul and and i'm going to wonder if the referee is going to claim that he saw that,
2: mm. well, I, you know, revisionist history, he can he can say whatever he wants. And you and I, I do, however, think you're probably correct about the VAR being about the red card part, and that they called him over to show him that it was the last guy, and that so it should be a red card once he's called the foul. I can buy that. I can buy that discussion. Um, you know, that they weren't adjudicating the actual foul itself in the VAR moment that he'd already yeah, decided really, that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm telling you like full speed and on replay and on the VAR replay, I was like, it's not a foul. Yeah. Ryan clearly is clean to me. And now I'm sure, again, this is the minutia of the minor frames and this and that, you know, Ryan goes through there cleanly without hitting Paul in any macro sense uh, and get, takes the ball. And, this is something that I used to do all the time as a player, as a defender, was put my leg between the ball and the other guy so that when they tried to shoot, they're kicking me. And that's a foul on them for kicking me. I had I did that all the time. you know. Mm-hmm. If, and if you don't get the foul, you at least disrupt their ability to shoot the ball and they don't get the shot off. So this is a common – I mean, listen, I'm not a pro, but I played and, and was involved in this game my whole life. This is a very common tactic. Ryan does it at full speed on a tackle through the ball. So I there's nothing that they can show me that's going to convince me that they're not completely wrong about this one <laughs> and that it was not a foul on Ryan, that it was a foul on Paul for kicking Ryan. So, I mean, it's not, it's not going to change anything, but I think it's ludicrous.
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was a bad call. I was shocked. I showed it. I showed the video to friends of mine that are professional referees uh, in England, and they all said, that's not a foul. Uh, I think it was really mysterious. And I again, I I, I tend to side with referees because I refereed for a long time and at, at a very basic level. But I think I understand some basics of it. And I do tend to want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt because they are actually on the field and seeing the real thing and not just a video replay of it. And so, I, you know, I tend to want to run with that. But man, I'd be hard pressed to believe that he saw that little bit of connection that the MLS instant replay guys were trying to focus on uh, on their on their segment earlier this week. But anyway, where where were you on this, Dan?
3: Uh, Oh, I wasn't a foul in a million years. Um, I I get the notion that the referee's got the VR in his ear. That hey, if you're giving a foul there, that's a red card. And he probably doesn't. Okay, and he doesn't have the ability at that point because I feel like one of the benefits of VAR originally was that the ref could say, "Oh, actually, upon further review, I made a mistake there. That's not a foul. We'll have a drop ball or something like that." Um, I don't think they can do that
1: uh, for just a normal foul outside the penalty area. I don't think VAR is used for that.
3: Well, that's what I mean. I, I thought my initially when they introduced it. I feel like one of the be- one of the things they said is that, you know, while reviewing a potential red card, the ref could say, "Actually, you know what? Not a red- not a red card. That's not even a foul." But I guess they they don't have the ability to do that because, you know. I don't know how he could have even looked at the monitor and gone, "Yep, that's 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 definitely a, a foul." Yeah, um, well, they haven't they haven't released their video
1: review for this week yet. The last come one out is,
3: Thursday or Friday, will not it? Yeah, the last one came out on the
1: tenth, so we'll we'll find out then. But you might. <laughs> well, I mean, they've been pretty. I mean, have they, Haven't they been pretty good about
2: being open about yeah. these things with yeah, these pretty, videos? Pretty much. I mean, they usually they get most of the big ones in there. The
3: referees do when the referees do them. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't the it's such a clangor that it's almost like, did they want to stay? Well, away from
1: it? look, I, if if I'm an assessor, my biggest thing out of that, I oddly enough, isn't about. Uh, whether it's a foul or not, because I think there's a question to be said that the referee's far enough away from it, and he sees it in real time and thinks it's a foul. My question is, why in the world he ever thought it wasn't a yeah. red card and yeah. only gave a yellow? Because here's my question. If you think it's a bad enough foul to give a yellow in that instance, how do you not know it's last man? There was Did nobody else around original? by a mile. huh?
2: Did he give a yellow original? Oh, yeah, he yeah. gave Ryan oh, yeah. a yellow. I remember being shocked that he came out with a yellow. That's, that's why I was his, yeah.
1: That's why I was so confused. It's like if you're giving him a yellow, how is that not a yeah. red for a dog's go? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, that, just, let's be clear on that. If you think it's a foul on Ryan, it's a red card. That's no question. It's yeah. a last man
3: thing. I totally get that. It's. I think we're all in agreement though. We don't think it's a foul. <laughs> the, the more I've seen it, it, it's one of those perfect instances where they highlighted you let play continue, and then you let VAR do its job. Yeah. Well, let's also be fair the other way, too, because I have a feeling he
1: he really rethought his uh, his decision making in that deal after the fact, because I thought L.A. got away with all kinds of shit the rest of the game Uh-oh, that normally ranker, would have yeah. been all, you know, not just issuing of fouls, but cards and everything. I mean, there I, you could have made the argument that L.A. could have been playing two men down at one point.
3: I mean, two games in a row. People have said Arango's just got away with murder. Yeah, he, he was the mo- the worst culprit. He had four or five by halftime,
2: and there were several that he didn't get called. And he was mouthing off the whole time. And I thought, like, half of the first half, I was like, how's that guy not have a yellow card? And then he had like three or four more fouls that I could I couldn't. Now second half, he was fine. But the first half, I literally wrote down, what is going on with this guy? I'm not usually the person to complain about the referees, to be honest. Most of the time, I'm like, it's a pretty even field. Everyone's got the same ref. I'll leave him out of it. But between the what I thought shouldn't have been a foul in the first place on Ryan and then watching Arango just yell at the guy and foul every person he could find on the field for like the next 25 to 30 minutes and him do nothing about it, I was like, well, this guy's not having a very good day. It was awful. Yeah,
1: but he finished that chip very sweetly.
3: Didn't yeah, that was that was a surprise, especially cuz the camera kind of panned over to it at the very last second.
1: Oh, the goal itself? Yeah. Yeah, that was an unfortunate moment. It was a great ball. Collini is, I, I I, is such a fantastic thing to watch on this team. I made the joke that he's like the dad that gets asked to play in the kids game, and he's having just the best damn time of his life. <laughs> 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 no, but, he, but I saw how many times we watched him turn the ball over, make a bad pass, but that particular one for the goal with the outside of his foot over the, over the top, was, that was about as nice as it gets.
3: It, he uh it, it was funny you say that because when hara came on and hara wanted to get physical it was you know like you know sometimes you'll, you'll play a, a pickup game and you're like and somebody like wants to go at you and you're like oh finally <laughs> here we go it's like this is fun now yeah that, that they had that going
1: yeah they you could tell that he was enjoying the fact that this guy came in was trying to give him the business i had look. He's had the business give it to him by the yeah. best in the world. <laughs> Frank yeah. O'Hara's nothing to him. <laughs> oh, but I
3: mean, you know, you go into, uh, you know, you go into a league where you, it kind of lacks the physicality, and it's a more faster, athletic league. I'm sure, like, you get those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is the stuff I signed up for." Yeah.
1: Wow, well, that's an interesting team. They're really, really good, and uh, they did play quite well against Dallas. Uh, the other, uh, I mean, for the bulk of the game, and until that one guy had the brain fart and just why he didn't throw the ball away on the free kick that he gave up, and Ariola being so smart, that was such a great moment. That we, and, you know, because I don't, I still don't think what's talked enough about that first goal was the insane angle and the manner in which Jesus scored that goal.
2: Yeah. Both of those goals are ridiculous. The, the first one um, you love, there's even some discussion in some of the quotes that are around today about how, how they pulled that together. Uh, you can see Paul right away when he's picking the, when he gets the find gets the ball in his hands, he's not looking at where he's setting the ball down. He's looking at Jesus the whole time, almost telegraphing that things coming. And Jesus talked about waiting for, you know, a certain player to move a certain way and just give me the tiniest bit of space. They clearly knew what they were doing. And so the second, Paul sees the tiniest little gap he's off and and with the ball to Jesus and Jesus blasts that at a ridiculous angle Uh, it's just it's such a good goal because it's it's a goal that takes advantage of a team that is used to getting their way and particularly given that the whole game as we just talked about they were getting a lot of benefit from the referee then for them to have this moment where they're yelling at the referee they get burned and so I it was such a joyous moment in terms of just pure fan watching and, and and fandom to see your team outsmart
3: another team in a way that was that's that was very satisfying. I mean, just just to to kind of drive home the point about how ridiculously tight the angles were, the two goals combined for zero point one xg. The second oh.
2: one's particularly delicious because Chris, uh, Bale deflects it. <laughs> yes yeah because that because people were like that's a terrible goalkeeping mistake i was like the keeper's going the direction the original shot was going it was curling away and so he's going away like that and and Gareth Bale nods it just enough, and there's only one angle you can really tell, and it's, I think it's from a fan cell phone, and one of the things Dallas put out. You can clearly see Bale not nudge it offline by like one degree, and it makes it go behind the keeper instead of in front of the keeper, and that's that's all it took. It was you know, audacious attempt by Jesus, and it worked. Yeah,
1: the fact that Gareth Bale's man bun man bun Scored uh, <laughs> cause and then uh, Matt Doyle stirring the pot today with his uh, uh, Gareth Bale stat. Oh. oh,
2: stat is so good. It is a what good was stat. The stat.
1: It essentially says that in the very few amount of moments that uh, Bale has played for LAFC, they've their goal differential is X, and without him, yeah. it's. Plus thirty three or something. Yeah,
2: and in his, his three hundred seventy five minutes, LAFC are minus seven, and in all the rest of the play, they are plus oh, thirty three.
3: Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, hey, it's the hey, he's the top-selling jersey of the season. And he does when he sell and jerseys.
1: it was and, and Doyle had originally tweeted it before he got subbed off in the Minnesota game last night. So it was at thirty two, and then he got subbed off, and they and they scored again, and he was like, "Now it's 33. It was it was just rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, all highly predictable, which means he'll score like a hat trick against the United States on the 21st. Um, all right. Well, so yeah. look, you're here we go. This is one of those weird things that we just kind of have to enjoy is the fact that Dallas not only has played well, but they've beaten two of the, the two best teams in the league in the course of the last, uh, essentially months time. Uh, And then, of course, as we said last week, buried in there is also their worst loss of the season. Mm -hmm. But we have to feel good because here they are sitting solidly in third place. uh, And they've got three games left against three teams that are all out of the playoffs and compared to some other teams that they're kind of battling for, for third or fourth, they're yep. in good position. And hell, look at Austin, who have now lost four of their last five games and have a kind of a – well, they don't have the worst schedule, but they still have to uh, – they're playing Salt Lake now. they got got Nashville left. I mean, Dallas literally has an opportunity to end as high as second before the season's over.
2: Yeah, LA, LAFC's lost four of six. Um, Austin, is, as you just said, lost four of five. Uh, you you could not ask for a better schedule in the Western Conference to finish with San Jose, Colorado, Kansas City this year. I mean that is a gift. Now again, we said this last time too. You have to perform. You have to go out and do it. But that's as good a schedule as you could get, considering how bad the schedule has been all year for this club. Yeah. The Tigres game and the international break. That's just a. That's perfect for. Momentum. Remember, this coach all the time talks about the momentum of the game and the rhythm of the game. That's perfect for that. You take your stars and you give them forty-five minute runabout, little kickabout, have a little fun. You know, just to keep the weekly play going, the weekly legs going. That's really well designed. In fact, um, Nashville is a team that scares me a little bit in terms of how they've put some results here together late. Obviously big picture Philadelphia and what they're doing since Dallas beat them is just insane quality <laughs> with just some, I don't have this out in front of me, but it's some just absolutely incredible amount of goals that they've scored since the Dallas beat them. But um, what what a time, like as a, as people that have watched Dallas for a long time, Peter, you and I uh, and Dan for half of that time. Now um, this is a season that does not come along very often to be in the top of the league to be playing like this at the end of the season. Dallas usually limps into the yeah. playoffs to be coming into the playoffs on a building momentum. Granted, three Which games is to a, play. The dark not...
1: secret to the playoffs is going into the yeah. playoffs in form.
2: Right. So, and have a guy that we've been watching since he was 14, i I've seen, but I've seen since he was 14 years old, becoming this transcendent player, watching Pax and get back into peak form, watching a, a really strong goalkeeper, watching uh, almost all the signings they're doing hitting and coming off. I mean, this season has just been absolutely ridiculous in terms of the enjoyment of covering this team. I'm now of course, terrified of what's next. <laughs> i do not sure I'm deserved what we're getting, but um, what a, what a, what a run it's been this year. And, and, the, the finish is going to be, I hope, as good as it's been so far. I don't have any reason to doubt it. You know, the the, the Velasco hiccup, maybe that's the only hiccup we can see. Hopefully, cross our fingers.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Should hopefully it's not a it, – it's something that – well, I, I assume we'll find out more about Velasco at some point, right?
2: I hope so. I mean, I would imagine. But they, I mean, they don't necessarily have to. They they just they can just put out thigh injury. They don't actually have to tell us anything. Uh, yeah, they
3: could just leave him as questionable yeah. and make every team prepare for him. Yeah.
1: Well, they did. Sh- they showed a photo. I thought it was a photo of him and Ariola, or maybe it was Pick, Jesus he was and
3: picking up Jesus. At the end yeah. Of the game. So
1: the, and he's not wearing a, like a brace or on crutches or anything. So that's a good sign, especially if he's picking oh, Jesus yeah. up. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Buzz, to uh, hammer home your point, uh, Philadelphia have averaged points 4.6 goals per game since losing to <laughs> FC Dallas. Yeah, that's ridiculous. losing to FC
2: Dallas was their proverbial wake-up call. They have absolutely annihilated everyone they've played since then. I mean, I, I can't think of a time I've seen a hotter team at the end of a the season. Uh, their current form, doing it without big-name, fancy, crazy-spend-money superstars – at the end of the season is just ridiculous. Uh, they'll clearly be the favorite going into the whole thing, just on their form. Uh, it's going to be – I mean, uh, that's a fun team to watch, frankly. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. And
1: the idea of having to go to MLS Cup in Chester just doesn't seem all that
2: Yeah, awesome. that, that's going to be the problem for Dallas. Is like, you know, <laughs> unless something really crazy happens in the Eastern Conference, you know, the only way Dallas is getting – if they get all the way to the MLS Cup, the only way they're getting it is that you're going to have to have some a weird upset – And I don't think that's very likely. It's almost assuredly that Dallas is probably going to finish somewhere between second and fourth and at the, and, and pending an upset in the West, you're going to, at some point you're going to have to go to LA FC, or you're going to have to go to Austin, or you're going to have to go to Philly and try and win one of these road games or have to go to Montreal. Perhaps that's the other good team in the East. You're going to have to win one of these games on the road against a really, really good home team. I mean, LA's lost two games at home all year. Right, Phillies lost none. Oh, LA's just won. Excuse me, I'm reading the wrong column. Uh, LA, Phillies lost none at home all year. So, this is why we talk about trying to get to the very top of the conference to put yourself in the best spot. And why, if you're not, you need these transcendent players that can make these moments of glory happen. And this is the best sort of lined up along those lines that I feel like in a long time. You have to go back to 2010 when they had a really good defense and you had David Ferreira as a guy you felt like could carry a team like that. Oscar's teams were good, but I don't think I didn't feel that way about Mario Diaz. I felt like Mario Diaz was hurt all the time. So I never felt like he's going to carry them to a cup. I feel you like just, Jesus or David could have done that. You've just
3: sealed MLS cup. I just 22 FC Dallas at home against Orlando city. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That would be fine. <laughs>
2: Hey, uh, before uh, we
1: before we get too far away from the game, I do want to talk a little bit about. Uh, were you guys were you guys uh, surprised he pulled Paxton at that
2: critical moment of the game? No. Why? Um. Well, I thought Paxton was okay. I, I didn't think he was having a bad game. I didn't think he was having a great game, but. Um, the, 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 the important thing about trying to get that to win that game was the idea that you needed to go at their defense with the ball at your feet. And um, when your coach looks over at the bench and says, okay, I need somebody fresh that can dribble at people and make some chaos happen here. Who do I have? And he looks over there and he's got seeking a sebling. Well, he can do that. Nanu can do that. So even if a guy, even if guys aren't playing poorly, which I'm not saying that they were, sometimes it's just about a dude that can dribble who's fresh. And so, cause he's coming in at 70 minutes, 68 minutes, whatever it is to go at guys. Cause other than that, he has Benny who's a homegrown and played like two games. He's got Kamungo, who signed like a week ago, right? Savania doesn't dribble, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Mowers is, is a goalie. That doesn't help you. Quinones is a center back. That doesn't help you. Facundo, I think Facundo's already in the game at that point for Edwin, but he's not a dribbler either. Frank Ohara's already in the game. So that's who he's got. He's got Nanu <laughs> and he's got an in-sebbling. So well, it's like, I'm going for him. I'm rolling the dice. So who am I bringing off? Well, is better at the dribbling people. The other way around.
3: Uh, uh, Faku came on with Siki. Nanu was already in the game.
2: Okay. Well, either way, Facundo's not dribbling at people, right? So, you know, um, um, do I take off Leggett or do I take off Pomogol? And Leggett is a better attacker who has goals and assists and better on the dribble than Paxson. So you bring off Paxson. It's basic. Well,
1: I do think this is this is the interesting side story to this game, which is when Dallas needed to make subs, they take off, they throw on Nanu and Hara, Faku, yeah. and Insebling. And when LAFC needed to make subs, they yeah. throw on <laughs> Kellen Acosta, Apoku, and Gareth Bale.
2: Yeah, uh, Apoku is a good, I can say his name is a good player. I like him, and, and of course we love Kellen. Yeah, and
1: then the Mendez uh, uh, substitution uh, a little bit later too. So I yeah. mean, I just the differences in the rosters are epic. Yeah, right. Well,
2: sorry, I, I'm just saying that I can explain every move Dallas made and why it happened. I mean, you know, obviously there's a massive difference between bringing Siki off the bench and bringing Gareth Bale off the bench. I mean, you would think maybe not based on the stats we pointed out today.
1: Well, I would say that Siki had a bigger impact on the game
2: than Gareth did. He certainly did. Yeah. He and Andy both did. But I mean, that was somebody. I don't
1: think think Gareth cares as much as in Siki
2: does. Well, somebody asked me, like, did they think because the commentators were a little harsh on Ima Tomasi. and somebody I was talking with, I can't remember who it was. It was asking me if I thought Emi was bad. And I said, "No, no. You know, sometimes it's, the sub is just about fresh. You know, and just about who do I have that has some quality I need, and it's fresh in the 70th minute. It doesn't mean that the guy that came off was bad. Sometimes subs just happen because it's, it's I need to change it up." Well, okay, well, game. I'm
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. On. I see. I thought uh, 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 Emma was not very good in this game. A- Emma frustrates yeah. me. And I don't like him as the right back uh, you know, long term solution for this team because I just don't think right. Emma makes decisions fast enough. He's too slow to receive a ball and then do something with it. And he's and he and he, and he yeah. doesn't seem to be willing to try to do anything moving forward with it. And I think sometimes he's one of the key components that just tends to clog the 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 works up.
2: Yeah, he, he had a really good run of about five games coming into this one. So I don't think he was as good as he was in those five games, but that's a long way from bad. You know, you can be average and still sure. be better than bad. So I, I, I just said I, I didn't think Ema was bad. I mean, it's certainly other people evaluate him different ways, you know, and, and if you don't think he's the answer going forward, that's certainly a discussion for the off season.
1: Well, just I well, think if you, we'll
2: be having that discussion. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, just, yeah. I mean,
1: uh, compare your two fullbacks. Yeah, I think Farfan is leaps and bounds, significantly grades better than uh, to Amase in my
2: defensively. Boat. Yeah, for sure. Which is the, what's key with this coach. But even a lot better going forward, though, than Farfan.
1: Uh, And he's better than Nanu.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Well, yeah. uh next up for Dallas is San Jose. Uh, well, so
2: before you jump to San Jose, gonna, oh. I want to, I want to at least talk about Nicosi Tafari because I think he was really good again. Okay. Um, you know, Hedges at some point will be back and I would imagine that over the back end of this season, this coach is going to, going to go with Hedges and Martinez, but I think it's, I think, uh, sorry, Nicosi Tafari has elevated his game enough in the things that are deficient, according to this particular coach that he's put himself at least in the discussion going forward. I think, you know, there's a, there's a real school of thought that will happen soon Ish as to whether he's now ready to move forward as the guy. You know, there'll be, there'll come a timeline discussion with Hedges and how old he is and the lack of mobility on uh, Martinez. You know, they all have their qualities. You know, it's not going to be now for seek for okay, a piece of paper I'm looking at has their names right next to each other. It's confusing the crap out of me for Tafari the rest of this season, but um, leading into San Jose. You know, head has originally had this ten day window, so theoretically this week he should be back. Now on Monday, which was two, two yeah, two days ago, he was still listed as uh, out, um, and they did update Monday. The, the MLS updated that page. Now whether that means he's still out or not, we will see. I think more than likely he'll be available, but then there comes the question of, well, if I just hold him out one more week, I can go ahead and play Tafari against San Jose, and it'll be fine. You know, there's a discussion to be had there. Um, so that's that's really a, a a talking point going into this game is whether Hedges will be back or whether you let Tafari have one more game or not.
1: Yeah, you know Tafari, in my mind this season has been very hit and miss in his passing. Fair, um, uh, but let's give him full credit for that amazing crossfield ball to Areola that sets up the red card because that was <laughs> that was about as nice as it gets.
2: Yeah, he, he's a, he's. He has the physical ability to hit long passes, quality long passes. You know the, the his deficiencies coming out of the back have always just been ones of experience and also just uh, the choices that he's made. You know, and I think we've talked all, all all year long about this coach and and soccer smarts. It's why Martinez plays. You know, and and that's been the biggest deficiency for Nikosi. and he's it's gotten just regular time playing. Yeah, regular time playing, and then which leads to better. Understanding of how to build out, better choices when you build out, better choices about when to pass and when not to pass, and when you're passing to relieve pressure or passing into pressure and when you maybe you shouldn't do those things. Some of that has come with uh, Edwin Surreal's progression in terms of showing himself. That was the, the latest thing we were on him about, about improving, and he has improved lately. That's why Edwin's kind of a lock now at this point again, is that he's, he's now showing and relieving pressure. So the, that's led to, to Farai being better as, in that aspect as well. Um, we're, we're seeing guys that are, you know, the, the spots that are, are the weaker spots in this roster that play of the guys that play making progression. And it's nice to see it even this late in the season, because there may come times when you're going to need those guys to be, Edwin certainly is going to be starting. It looks like the rest of the way I would imagine based on what some people are saying. So, uh, you know, good for him and good on Nikosi.
1: All right. Are we done with that game now?
2: Oh yeah. The LA game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, uh, San Jose. Now on paper, I'm sure everybody's thinking, licking their lips. This is a win, but San Jose's won their last two home games. Uh, they they beat Vancouver, and they were one of the teams that started this bad run for LAFC. They beat uh, LAFC two one about four weeks ago. So, uh, it it does not feel like. First off, I'm not sure what Dallas's record is in San Jose, but
3: off the top of my head, it isn't great. Is it not, Dan? Uh. uh- Other than Tesho scoring the hat trick, I can't remember too many uh, good games there. Yeah. So, uh, certainly, as Dallas is, you know, making, trying to make sure that they get a
1: a home playoff game to start off the playoffs, this will be a critical one to uh, do that. Buzz, do you have any insight into starting lineups or anybody that, other than the Hedges stuff you just talked about?
2: Yeah. Hedges Safari is the one discussion point. Um,
1: more yeah. Obreon?
2: Yeah, more Obreon because Velasco is for sure going to be out. I mean, best case scenario, you're looking at uh, another three weeks probably because uh, they said three to four, and that was really only a couple of days ago that they said that. Remember, it happened on Friday. So, right. um, you know, I mean, the very best you could possibly, this is just my guess, but based on that three to four, maybe Colorado, maybe the season finale versus Kansas City, certainly not the San Jose game. So, obviously, you're looking at Obreon. There's nobody else that can come close to starting uh, on the wing because Ariola will be in there and Jesus will be in there. They, they, they should not leave until after that game. I can't imagine. Um, you know, the midfield is pretty chalk at this point, passion legit and Edwin the back is everybody knows who's playing. The only question is the injury of Hedges versus Tafari and your risk, how fast we bring back Hedges, et cetera. Um, the real question is, you know, what do you have off the bench if you need a wing, you know, because the, you're getting into territory of, you know, Regich and, and Kamungo and at what point, you know, if you really need something, can you really rely on either one of those guys? And I don't know that you can, you know, if if you needed one for half of a game, might we finally get to see, finally it's only been a week and a half Kamungo or we see more Regich or that's really a weak spot. You know, you can understand why, Uh, Dallas signed Comungo in the sense that they really only have three wings. Like they, for whatever reason, Regis isn't isn't ready to play all the time. And they seem to cleels like completely out of the picture. So um, it's not surprised they went after a wing, you know, but there's none of those guys are going to help them now. So they really need Velasco back
1: yeah I was thinking that I think the fan base would feel much differently going into the playoffs if they found out Velasco wasn't going to be being uh, uh in in the mix but hey, they beat l a with uh Obreon, so
2: right, but it, the the thing would be over the course of the playoffs, sure, you can start Obreon every game. that's adequate, but then what? It's like you that means O'Brien and Ariola have to go all game every game pretty much because there really isn't anybody else. You know, you end up looking at things like a lot more Frank O'Hara, and shifting Hey out of position, or uh, putting Lejeune on the wing. I mean, Lejeune can play wing, so you can do that, but he doesn't want to. That's not why he came here. You know, it gets it gets troublesome quickly when you don't have the depth of roster that you need to have, and your coach plays it really short anyway. So, it's a it, that fourth winger is a key problem for the winter. You know, obviously you're hoping in development terms that Regis or Camugo can in the long term be an answer there, but it wouldn't shock me to see a midterm answer brought in at some point too. It can't happen now because it would be a problem going in the playoffs.
1: Um. All right, let me go back and look at uh, Buzz's crayon yeah. colored run sheet the and only see other if I'm forgetting is, anything here. Yeah, North
2: yep. Texas has their final season game against Houston on Sunday. Um, the only thing I really wanted to talk about it much was that uh, Blaine Fairley Ferry finally came back and started and North Texas proceeded to stomp the tar out of the <laughs> the best team in their conference, St. Louis city, <laughs> who basically had only lost a couple of games all year. And, and then Texas, once they brought blame back, just annihilated them. So uh, I think it goes to show good, how good that kid is. And I think that was the first game all season. We've seen pretty much their best uh, 11 other than, Nolan Norris started at center back because they were missing uh, a player for, for a, a card suspension. So it was the closest we've seen of them being in peak form. And so they too are peaking at right as the end of the playoffs. So they, they got one more game down in Houston and then the playoffs are single elimination. So they'll get, you know, possibly three games to a championship if they make a run. And that's where Camungo will be most of the time. You know, he, now that I think about it, he probably won't go to San Jose with the team. He'll probably be with North Texas uh, for their game. I would imagine.
1: All right, um, let's see. Anything else?
2: Dan, what do you got?
1: Yeah, Dan, you're so quiet. I guess probably want to be respectful.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, we're in mourning over here. <laughs> so
1: tomorrow I'm told that uh, Nike officially uh, unveils their the national team kit.
2: That'll be a trashy moment.
1: Yeah. Now, I will also use that as an opportunity to reveal my design that Dan uh, so artfully helped me put together. Dan, do you even want any credit for this at all? Sure, I accept the blame. (laughs) Uh, Because I think what uh, Dan and I have put together is far more radical... Uh, high flying and death defying is the best way I would describe it Mm. I don't know you've seen it Buzz haven't you
2: I have and I find it intriguing
1: yes don't you think it's much better
2: it's much better than what Nike's doing for sure (laughs) do
3: you mean intriguing like a flaming car crash yeah. <laughs> something I do. like something yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah. Like a circus is intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I probably but I want to.
1: Okay. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Don't call my kids clowny because they're not clowny. No,
2: no, no. I didn't say clowny. You said yeah. circus. I said a circus. Well, you know, there's well, a lot of things in a circus than clowns.
1: All right. I think high flying and death defying is the way to describe them.
2: I mean, getting into Kit Talk, Dan's Tornado uh, Oh, my God, yes. Please, let's point. spend
1: a good five minutes talking about oh, that yeah. masterpiece. Bye Steve Davis. Yeah. 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 Steve <laughs> Davis can turn the pot <laughs> off now. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, Dan threw together. And th- Did you put him up on Twitter, or did you just throw him in the Discord?
3: Uh, just the Discord. I can put it on Twitter. Though.
1: No. Well, yeah, Buzz, make him the, make him the yeah. uh, episode art. Right. I will. So Dan made a mock-up of uh for a fc dallas away kit i'm assuming that would be the away kit but it is the what year of the tornado is it 1981 1981 tornado white jersey with the royal blue sleeves and the royal blue shorts it's beautiful my friend and and the
3: heb logo on the chest
1: which is (laughs) double triple sweet like candy
3: well, um, the, so the, the the World Cup jerseys you'll see are kind of what MLS is getting next year. Um, and they have this like little stripe that goes down the side. And I was looking, I was like, that looks like the tornado thing. But it had the red stripe going down the side. And yeah. So it, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's
2: quite good. Uh, the, but the only reason I think it would be unlikely is the... Shorts are dark ish and that throws a slight wrench into the light ish right.
3: kind of you, you get your secondary white shorts, or yeah. Whatever. No, this thing, Dan,
2: is absolutely pristine. I love it. I mean, yeah. th- if this was the real deal, I would be so excited. Uh, we'll definitely put it on the, the image for the podcast. It's really good,
1: yes. So, uh all right, well, I can't wait to see the internet go aflame tomorrow. I guess I'm assuming everybody's... Can we do another
3: April Fool's joke with that? Can we do a what? Can we just do like a late April Fool's joke with it? A late April Fool's
0: joke, yeah, we can could, we could just,
2: if you want, we can edit this out of the podcast and do a fake, uh, we got a leak of the jersey.
3: No, it's even better if we leave it in the podcast.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, sure.
3: Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is next year's. Is Wait, is the away jersey what gets replaced next year for Dallas? yep. yep oh, then you should totally just go ahead and throw it out there and say this is next year's FC Dallas Away kit. No. Yeah. And everybody
3: listening to the pod is in on the joke. Don't give it away, <laughs> yeah. okay? But Don't screw Brazilian, this up, listeners. Just like last time, some Brazilian blog and then put yeah. your headlines will go in for it.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite part of that whole joke last time was that some people kept finding it and putting it out as a leak. A year later. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to be right anyway. It was pretty damn close. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. All right. Well, good times. All right. Well, Dallas wins. They got San Jose up next. We're all feeling good. Uh, everybody, before you go to bed next time, at your bedtime prayers, say something uh, good about Velasco's leg. Uh, that would be your homework assignment from this podcast.
0: Hi, this is Saroche again, reminding you that Third Degree of the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com celebrate the north texas sc playoff run by gearing up with a north texas jersey tee or scarf this weekend september 16th through 18th all north texas sc merchandise is 30% off so order your gear today and remember third degree listeners get 20% off other items at soccer90.com with promo code third degree some exclusions may apply Discounts can't be combined.
1: Dan, thank you very much, sir. And again, I hope uh, you get some time to, uh, I don't know, what, what's the right way to, uh, I don't know how to do this. I've never had anybody I know have their queen died before. I don't know what to say.
3: <laughs> That's a great phrase to use. Um, uh, I, I don't
1: know, uh, let's just party on. All right, party on, Garth. Uh, and Buzz, thank you, sir. Good work again, as always.
2: Thanks. The queen is dead. Long live the king. Ooh.
1: Okay. All right. That sounds rather direct. Uh, and thank you, FC Dallas curious fan. We'll speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree the podcast.
3: Get stuck in a wrong show. Woo. Woo. Third degree. The Third Degree Net
0: Podcast. Third degree. The Third Degree Net Podcast. 25, 25 long hard years, yeah Was Carrie, yeah, the man man 25 years, you better be giving this man At least $5 a month, Patreon third degree Come on, pay the man It's the only comprehensive coverage of
3: my fucking club That I love so much, hey Come on, it's third degree all oh, bust, yes. Give the man some mother f- money, hey Third degree,
0: that degree never
3: care.